Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. It is just after 8 p.m. here on Saturday, May 1st. We are glad you could join from wherever you are. And uh, the NFL draft has officially concluded. All 259 picks have been made. And I'm joined by the one and only Gabe Shaner to dish out some winners and losers of the last three day, the last three days in the NFL world. Gabe, did you enjoy this NFL draft? You know what? I did. And uh, yeah, uh, honestly, there was so much going on in the world this past year. And just the fact that they were able to throw it, um, like be able to have a draft and have it be in person mostly and just the way they did it was super cool and yeah I mean I watched most of it and I thought the coverage you know it's always a little bit boring to be honest um just hearing the evaluations of players you don't know and on teams you don't like and so that part you know I never like but I always enjoy hearing some of the stories and uh, yeah, it was it was a nice thing to have on in the background outside of the first round. That's that's my take on it, but I enjoyed it. It it definitely felt normal, just yep. like with people being there, the band playing in the background, it being in person, Roger Goodell being on stage and having players come up on stage and shake his hand and give him a hug. It felt normal. The vibe felt normal, and I think Cleveland was a really cool place to host it. So I really like that part of it. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's get right into it. Let's get into some winners. Let's start with the good. So, Gabe, I will let you go first. Who is your first winner of the NFL draft? So my first winner is, I explained this to Quentin, but I did mine in terms of conglomerates because I felt that there were a lot of teams that won and players that won. This one's about players. Mm-hmm. So this, this group of winners are... Uh, or is the third, fourth, and fifth quarterback statement. So that's Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. I think each one of them it just got drafted to a team that might be a contender this year. Uh, the 49ers went healthy. They're deadly. They've got a great offense, and I, I believe they drafted some some more players on offense already uh, or this this time around to help out. Trey Lance and they had Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and obviously this this has the caveat of everyone's healthy and you have George Kittle and you have that defense so yeah this 49ers team is is instantly competitive with I mean no matter who they throw out at quarterback but now that they have uh, I think Trey Lance is definitely more electric than Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm excited to see what he does then you go Justin Fields, I think the Bears, and this really pains me to say because I'm a Packers fan, but the Bears may come out and win the division next year. They have... Um, Pause. Really? Really? I mean, no, but look, they're, they're a really solid team. And they... did They, they made the playoffs, right? Uh, yeah, but they yeah, got... They, 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 got, they made they the got playoffs. Like, yeah, uh, that's, that's something. So, yeah, they were, they were like by far the second team. Like or I guess the Vikings weren't weren't far behind, but um, man, that Bears team is scary. They they've got a really nice offense, and uh, oh man, Mitchell Trubisky, that guy could not lead that team. No one on their roster could lead that team at quarterback, and they got Justin Fields, who's he's a really good leader in my opinion. I know people have their takes on him and that's why he fell to 11 and I'll touch more on that later with one of my losers uh no it's actually one of my winners so I'll touch on that in a second but uh yeah I think he's in a really good situation and that Bears team yeah again like as much as I hate to say it like they're good and they just got better so he's he's an instant winner because he's got he's got Allen Robinson, he's got Mooney, he's got wins, and they're great targets. And then you have David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen coming back, I believe, unless Tariq Cohen was a free agent. Um, and then didn't they draft an offensive lineman? Too? They drafted, they got Tevin Jenkins yeah, in the he's, second round. He's really good. So, yeah, that's a winning situation. I, yeah, I, I'll walk back my statement on winning the division. Because if Aaron Rodgers is still around, you can never count out the Packers. Um, but, yeah, they're competitive. 
and the other one is Mac Jones. And the Patriots did a lot this offseason. And I think he's walking into a really good situation as well. All right. So Trey Lance and Mac Jones, I think we've discussed this at no ad nauseum, like yeah. throughout the draft process. And they ended up where I think we thought we ended up. Trey Lance, like we found out a little bit later that the 49ers, he was their guy kind of sort of all along. Um, regardless, both of them in great situations. I do want to talk about Justin Fields because you brought up a few points. One, I think, I think Justin Fields is going to be great, first of all. I've mentioned this before. I think he is out to prove a lot of people wrong for letting him slide to 11. Um, I, do, I do think he was the second-best quarterback in this class. And uh, I think there's just going to be this, this fire under him because he is a competitive guy. I mean, he loves football. I mean, just last fall, he was the leader in trying to get the Big Ten to come back and have a season. Like he was at the forefront of that whole situation. So there's no denying his, his love for the game. And he's obviously uber competitive. He's resilient. And I think the Bears got a good one. However, I don't think it's as great of a situation in Chicago as you described. Allen Robinson is going to be gone in a year. Like that's just, that's just happening. Um, you, saw, you saw last year he was, he was liking the tweets where people were like, oh, come to Green Bay, come to blah, blah, blah. He was liking those tweets, and it was very clear he wasn't happy. And then he gets franchise tagged, which is, from what I've seen and heard, is universally disliked among NFL players. Um, and then you were listening, like, Darnell Mooney, he's like, ah. and then Javon Wims is, ah. um, and the defense, I think, is still solid. Um, and obviously you got Tevin Jenkins, who I think is going to start from the tackle right away. Um, they also got a few skill guys in the draft who I really like, including Khalil Herbert in the sixth round. That's amazing value. And they also have Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. That's a really good backfield. But um, I don't think Chicago's a fantastic situation. Um, but, nah, but, yeah, I think regardless, Fields is going to – I think he's going to show out even though I think he's in a not amazing situation in Chicago. Yeah, I'd forgotten about the Allen Robinson bit. I just feel like he got on a better team than he was projected to get on, like right away, just because they were a playoff team last year. And people thought he could go to the Jets. And, you know, that's a different – like he's already going to be winning some games just by being in Chicago because they just have a good – good organization around them right now but yeah versus right versus new york versus new york yeah, exactly in in comparison yeah okay yeah i like that all right that's a that's a good that's a good way to start all right i've got one mine is a mine is a team i'm starting with a team i really like what the carolina panthers did mm. in this draft so they had a grand total of one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven they had 11 picks in this draft and over half of them, I think, were really, really good, especially like the first six or seven. So let's let, let, me, let me take it through. Let me take it through. So the first one was J.C. Horn. That took me by surprise a little bit because I thought they would go Rashawn Slater just because that was a very pressing need. And obviously you're bringing in Sam Darnold, a guy that has been malnourished in the football world, was not given a lot of tools, including any kind of a decent offensive line. So that would have been my pick, but J.C. Horn is he's really, really good. Um, we've discussed his game a lot. He's NFL-ready. He's aggressive. He's not afraid to go one-on-one. And um, I really think the Panthers, that one of their goals was just to build that defense. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't fault them for taking J.C. Horn. He's an awesome corner, and I think he's going to be in that cornerback one slot for a very long time in Carolina. Then you move to the second round. They get a guy I think that could have gone in the first round, Terrace Marshall Jr., um, if not for the, the knee issues. Um, so when you're looking at that receiving core, you have DJ Moore, who's kind of your all-around wide receiver one. You've got Robbie Anderson, who's your deep threat, and it's great that he already has a relationship, a connection, a rapport with Sam Darnold. And you got Curtis Samuel leaving in free agency, which is kind of big because Curtis Samuel was a guy you could kind of use all over the field. 
But now you bring in a guy like Terrace Marshall, who's a big 6'3", 200 pounds. Now he is your go-to red zone threat. That is great for really any receiving course. So they got now three awesome wide receivers that I think are going to just instantly upgrade Sam Darnold, like personally. And I talked about earlier on this podcast, I think Marshall, out of the receivers not taken in that, that big four of Waddle, Smith, Pitts, Chase, I think he has the greatest chance to have a more productive, any, a more productive NFL career than those four. So I um, really like that pick. Then you move to the later rounds. You get a guy like Brady Christensen out of BYU, offensive line depth especially considering that was a weakness for this Carolina Panthers team last season. He protected Zach Wilson's blind side. I love that pick. Tommy Tremble, tight end out of Notre Dame, a guy who prides himself on blocking. And you don't really find a lot of those nowadays, I feel like. But when you watch the film, he's like, I don't want to say these other tight ends don't try when they're blocking, but it is very clear he's putting all 100% of himself into blocking. And he also showed a lot of pass-catching potential at Notre Dame. And uh, in the past, we saw how valuable the tight end position is to the Panthers with Greg Olson. So I think that gives Sam Darnold another weapon, both blocking, I think, and pass-catching. And then you move into the later rounds. You got Chubba Hubbard, great running back out of Oklahoma State, great name too, provides running back depth in case something happens to McCaffrey. And we did see last year that, McCaffrey is prone to injury. He only played a few games. And Mike Davis was great, but now you lost him. So adding running back depth, I really like that pick too. And then their next three picks, steals. All three of them were steals. Davion Nixon, Keith Taylor, Deontay Brown. I don't know how all three of them slipped to rounds five and six, but they did, and they picked all of them up. Um, Davion Nixon, I think, has a chance to be one of – the better defensive tackles, not only in this draft class, but maybe in football. I, may, I know that may be a bit of a, an overstatement, but that's just what I think. Keith Taylor, I already went over on this podcast. He was on my short list of five underrated NFL draft prospects. And then Deontay Brown, big, wide-bodied offensive guard out of Alabama, more offensive line depth. I love it. So the Panthers, I think, are really building a great defense because now you got Nixon – Got J.C. Horn. You drafted Derek Brown last year, who I don't think got enough love. I think he was really good for the Panthers last year. And then Brian Burns. So they got a great foundation there in Carolina. I love what Matt Rule and that organization is doing. And they were, they were my big winners from this draft. I think they got a lot of, of great picks. And I think they will be a team that, when looking back on this clash, you can be like, damn, like this was a good draft for Carolina. So that is my Carolina spiel. Any follow-up? Um, all I'll add is that they were one of my winners too. And I thought it was kind of, they were sneaky because they started off a little bit questionably, like you said, with JC Horn, who I thought could have, I, he could have definitely slipped out of the top and then gone somewhere in that 11, 20 range, just because there were certain Patrick certain, um, certain, I, I don't know how to say it, mm-hmm. um, who I had seen ranked higher than JC Horn, and there were other guys too. And so they started out slow. So I would be, I would give that, that pick like a B on the first day. But in context, they just had, like you said, they got a bunch of steals, and it was sneaky good, I think, because they, they slowly crept in and then stole the entire crop of talent. And I love, I, I love the move to get Hubbard, um, like you said. And that guy, Tommy Demble, is that his name? Tremble. Tremble. Okay. I, I saw some highlights of his. That guy's a beast. And I, I don't know where you put him. You can put him at fullback, almost like you can almost put him as like a second tackle. But he just runs through people. I saw this tape of him where he just pushed the guy off the off the entire camera like you couldn't even see the guy he was blocking anymore that's how good of a block he is and that's yeah. a really underrated uh aspect of the game and that might help christian mccaffrey stay healthy sam darnold reach his potential and this team really succeed and like you said the curtis samuel departure is big but you know marshall kind of he he doesn't fully fill that hole because he's not quite as versatile but 
Yeah. It's pretty pretty darn close. So yeah, you, can, you hit it. Yeah, he can play they, a they hit a home. They hit a home run. Yeah, they should be really happy. Panthers fans should be. All right, Gabe, next winner, who you got? So mine was the sneaky draft class, like that entire like phrase as a winner, but I'll just name a few. So the Panthers are in that. I think the Ravens had a sneaky good good class. I think so did the Dolphins and the Cardinals. Uh, but I, I think that's kind of a boring winner. So I'm going to go with uh, a different direction, and that's uh, the football sports media coverage and their just grip on the narratives and how they're able to almost manipulate teams to, to like do their bidding. Cause in, there is no universe in which it was okay for the second best quarterback in the draft who was solidly the second uh, at the end of the college football season and had an excellent pre-draft process. There's no way he should have been fourth quarterback selected. But you saw what the media did. They picked apart his uh, – he, he, like, locked in on receivers in college, which, you know, I, I feel like a lot of good quarterbacks do that. That's and so – like, to... that was so damn, like, nitpicky. Yeah, it's also – you're just looking for stuff to exactly, like, nitpick at. And there's no good reason to do that other than to toy with him. But he ends up in, like I said, a, an instant winning situation at least, uh, if that's the way we're putting it. Um, so he ended up like getting, uh, he, he got into a good situation, but he, he lost out on a lot of money. I think people don't remember that the pay scale is um, structured where the higher you get selected. I think the more you make, um, I, I think that's top 10 makes more than the rest of the first round. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. I, I, I'm uh, sure there's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's the other one of Zach Wilson being the next Patrick Mahomes. Look, Zach Wilson, I watched his pro day. He's a baller, and he makes some really neat throws, and he looks to be a really good player. But the fact of the matter is, I think he was 0-5 versus yep. what you would call the Teams with teams. 10, 10 or more yep. wins in college. 0 for 5. He was 0-5 through one touchdown, seven picks. Yeah, that's, that's unacceptable for the second quarterback. Uh, to supposedly the second ranked quarterback in the in the draft if you're going by the way they were drafted as the bible for rankings um i was not as high on him as other people were but again it's just like these these uh commentators really like to push teams around and they kind of fall for it and i don't think that's a win for football where uh the the narratives that go on on tv dictate what happens in the draft and it's really annoying also as like an a packers fan and an aaron Rodgers supporter just how twisted this stuff can get because aaron Rodgers did not want that report getting leaked he wanted to voice his concerns to the uh to the front office and them alone but now you see everyone's taking it so far they're like, where is he getting traded to? Is he going to retire? And they're just pushing him around. So now he has no choice to, to but to make statements like, I think the Packers should fire Brian Gutekunst or what, whatever he said directly to another person. And I just think it's really frustrating as a fan that teams, you know, buy into the media coverage. I, I think that's really, uh, really upsetting, to be honest. And then there's also just like, I think it's with the emergence of social media too. Like people just, you know, they're nitpicky and they cause players to lose out on millions of dollars. Obviously they're still making money, but there's also, and and I'll get to this more later, but you know, certain positions are taking uh, dives in the amount in, in the volume that they're drafted in because of the media and because of social media and random fans weighing in. And I think it's unfortunate. So so wait, there. The, the, what was the original winner? The winner was the media because they're getting clicks. They're getting ah, uh, okay. So okay, so yeah, I that was, was confusing. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It took like a little like negative dive. Like wait, this were winners. Okay, anyway, I was thinking about remember when Trevor Lawrence came out and was like, yeah, I don't have this huge chip on my shoulder. 
I'm not like too competitive or whatever. Can you imagine if Justin Fields had said that? Like, I, actually, like I was thinking to myself, he, he would have gone in the second round. He would have gone in the second round. <laughs> Teams would have been like, "What the fuck? What? Like, really? Like, yeah. ugh, oh my, ugh, God! Can you imagine Justin Fields went one of one of seven against teams with over ten wins in his college career? Like, they would penalize him so hard for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's really amazing how the media, like you said, has gotten such a hold of the just just the NFL period whether it's just like you got these breaking news guys you got like Schefter and and Jay Glazer and the freaking Pat McAfee they can just like say whatever they want I've heard like media people be like hey if we're bored and nothing's really happening we'll just like say some shit just to like keep things interesting like the it, it happens it happens really every year like with Mac Jones if you had told me at the end of the season that Mac Jones was widely considered to be going number three overall, I wouldn't be like, no. And even, even after, I was still like, no. But, like, the media, it felt like pushed him yep. up to number three. Because you had all the reports be like, oh, they love Mac Jones. It's a guy that fits their system and doesn't ad-lib and just, just does what he's asked. He doesn't freelance. Like, all of that was, like, straight from the media. Kyle yeah. Shanahan and John Lynch said nothing about that. Kyle, Sh- they literally, basically all they said was, when they were asked, like, uh, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? And they were just like, we could all be dead on Sunday. The, yeah. the zombies, zombies could happen <laughs> on Sunday. That's basically all they said. So, like, everything we've been hearing for these past few months about the draft, that was just straight from the media. And it's really crazy just how much of a stronghold they've gotten on the NFL and just the media in general, not even, not even in, not even in the NFL, just like in the news and politics shit. We sit here for hours talking about how that's influencing society. Um, But yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Go ahead. I think I was going to add just one more, just like something to think about. Um, And it's that, I feel like this happens a lot with black quarterbacks. Oh, like you're, Lamar you're, Jackson. You're totally right. Like people just overhate them, uh, and I I just don't want to like assume that anything any like internal racism is is happening in the NFL. But I just it just is so common with them, and uh, yeah, I don't want to make an overgeneralization here, but that's just yeah. That's an observation I've made. I, I I can concur with that observation. Unfortunately, it sucks. It's yep. terrible, but um, it's just a thing that happens. All right, um, let's uh, let's let's go back on a more positive note. Here, uh, one another one of my winners. This is gonna sound like kind of a homer pick, but I really do think they're a winner. The New York Giants and Dave Gettleman. <laughs> so let 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 me let me explain why I think they're a winner. So it was very clear at the end of this draft. I realized. There was, they had a goal in mind in this draft. They saw last season, as did I and all of Giants fans, that rushing the passer was a paramount need. And we've seen in the past with the Giants, the, the backbone of the Super Bowl teams was the ability to get after the passer. And seeing last season how deficient the Giants were in getting after the passer um, of players other than Leonard Williams, they went in this draft hunting them. And that's exactly what they got. They got their guy, Aziz Ojolari. I love Georgia, of course. Love their Georgia connections with uh, Joe Judge and Kirby Smart. I love that pick. Then they go in the fourth round and get uh, Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa. He's tall. He's lanky. He was a production machine at Northern Iowa. He's just, he's just a little skinny, but I think he can certainly fill out his frame. So I, I love that they recognize that need and, and hit it hard. And they hit it hard in the draft, and I can't, I can't, I guess, thank them enough for doing that, because now you're looking at that defensive line. It's it's Leonard Williams. You got Dexter Lawrence, who I still think's got something. Now you throw in Aziz Ojolari. You got Lorenzo Carter and uh, O'Shane Zimenez coming back from injury. That is a lot better of a defensive line than you had last season. So props to them. I think also another goal in this draft was to, in the later rounds, get some special teams help. Um, and they got some. Uh, Gary Brightwell, the running back out of Arizona. I never heard of him before the draft, 
which is why I panicked a little bit when they picked him, especially considering that there were a few other running backs on the board that I would have rather had for the Giants. But looking at his play style, he reminded me a lot of Wayne Gallman, who the Giants lost in the offseason to San Francisco. North-south, hard runner. But he's got a little more east-west in his game. He's got a little more finesse, which I like. But um, I certainly think he has special teams value. And with Joe Judge being a special teams guy, I think he looked at that and said, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And then Rodarius Williams, the, the other six-round pick we had, more special teams value. The corner, uh, they can certainly cover on punts and kicks. And, uh, hey, you can even fill in for whoever gets hurt. Um, and then, obviously, the first pick. The fir- I, no, hold on. What do I want to say first? Dave Gettleman. Okay, so we all know that Dave Gettleman had never traded back before in this draft. Dave Gettleman trading back, I feel like when he traded back with the Bears, I just feel like it's like when you try something new, like like a like a new food or a new activity, or you go on a roller coaster that you were afraid of, and you really like it. You like it a lot. And you like it so much, you do it again. You're like, oh, whoa, this is fun. I like this a lot. That had to be Dave Gettleman with trading back because the haul the Giants got for trading back nine spots with the Bears and still getting a guy they really, really liked in Kadarius Toney, I loved that. I loved it so much because now the Giants have two fir- next year, two firsts, two thirds, and two fourths in a draft that is supposed to be really deep in a lot of positions from what I've heard. And really having a lot of picks in any draft is great. But I guess especially next year is, is great too. And Kadarius Tony, he is electric, dude. Like he is, <laughs> when he gets the ball in space, it is so fun to watch him just make guys miss. And I've said it before, he is so slippery. Like even though he's a smaller guy, it is really hard to tackle him. And the Giants, considering that this offense finished second to last or last in a lot of offensive categories last year and didn't really have an X-factor receiver on third down. Um, you got Kenny Galladay now, who I think is that X-factor, and now you got Tony, who, provide, who's, who provides electricity and a spark on offense that without Saquon Barkley last year and without a number one receiver was super-duper lacking, like a lot. And you can use Kadarius Tony in like a bunch of different spots. You use him on the outside, you use him in the slot. You can even line him up in the backfield. Versatility in a lot of sports. If you can do multiple things, that'll, that'll get you playing time in really any sport. So um, I really like that pick. And then in the second round, got an extra third rounder and still got the guy. I think if the Giants took a 20, I would have been cool in Aziz Ozilari. And then the one guy I haven't hit on for the Giants was um, Aaron Robinson, the corner that they traded up for in the third round. At first, I was like, hmm, we already have cornerbacks, but why not stack up your secondary? Make your secondary great. Like, that's so kick-ass if you have a really good secondary. Bradbury, pro bowler James Bradbury, who people were saying they overpaid for him last season. Uh-uh. You got now You now got Adoree Jackson, who, okay, I think they may have overpaid him a little bit. And, but if he can stay healthy and if he's good, love that signing too. Got Japrill Peppers man in the safety position. Xavier McKinney at the other safety position. I love that second round pick last year. And now you had a very physical, instinctive, larger corner in Aaron Robinson. Because now you, that, that makes, if you've got a good enough secondary, that's going to make quarterbacks think twice about throwing. That's going to alter their decision making. And Giants fans, remember NYPD back in 2016? how amazing that was to have an amazing secondary with DRC and Landon Collins and all those dudes. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. They were very reliable on defense. So, and, uh, okay, last thing, I promise, last thing. Um, The Giants did not draft a single offensive lineman. Now, if you told me on Thursday that the Giants were not going to draft a single offensive lineman, I would have been pretty angry because not only is offensive line important, it has been an eternal need. For the Giants. Um, But you know what? As we sit here on Saturday night, I am actually kind of okay with it because here's why. The Giants really believe in the guys they currently have in Andrew Thomas and Matt Pertz and Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez and Nick Gates. All those guys, they really believe in for now and I guess didn't want to create any competition that would sort of 
alter their confidence or believe they might get might get uh, uh, I guess uh, demoted down the the depth chart. But last year was a crazy year. There was no training camp. It was not a normal off season at all. And I, I kind of get why Andrew Thomas struggled. And Matt Parrott obviously didn't get a lot of playing time, nor did Shane Lemieux. Um, but this offseason, I think they're going to invest a lot with the guys they have now. And I'm okay with that because that offers you the best shot for improvement. And if improvement doesn't happen this year, okay, the Giants fucked up by maybe not, ta- not taking an offensive line, a single offensive lineman in the draft. But with that being said, there's still a lot of good offensive linemen. I think the Giants can still sign as undrafted free agents because, again, offensive line depth, I think that is a position where you can never have enough of. Because as we saw in the Super Bowl, the offensive line matters. And when you're down to your third, fourth string, that's when it could get really tough. But thankfully, they had third and fourth stringers to, to throw out there because it would have that game would have been 38 to nothing, not 31 to nine if they had lower than third string. So I'm okay with them not taking any offensive linemen. They want to let their guys develop. That's all I'm saying. And the Giants clearly have a vision. And that's what I like for a team that has not really had a vision and that drafted pretty poorly under Jerry Reese. <sighs> okay, so that is why I think the Giants and Dave Gettleman won. Got a lot of value. Got a guy that I think can help immediately. And they clearly had a plan. So there. That is what I liked. Can I respond? Totally. That's why we're here. Yep, okay. So I, I honestly, like, not to rain on your parade, but I, I thought the Giants draft was like good, not great. Yeah, they're they're winners, but it's kind of like the Packers last year, how they didn't draft the wide receiver, how you guys didn't draft a, an O-line. Like the Packers believed in, in the guys they had and whether or not it paid off, time will tell. Because obviously MVS made some strides. Alan Lazard, when healthy, was was fairly good and they got... Rob Tunyon, who who was a breakout star for them, and they had their running backs receiving. So you you were about to be familiar with being frustrated yet again with your team's inability to draft based on like obvious need, but it might it may pay off over time. You're so right. Like they could develop into really good players, but on a surface level, good not great maybe even average draft. Um, Kadarius Tony, uh, Aziz Ojala, uh, I whatever his last name is, sorry. Um, that was a great pick. That that was a, a home run. And I like Aaron Robinson, and I like the free agent moves the Giants made. But got to be honest, like Kadarius Tony, to me, he wasn't one of like the top – five wide receivers this was a good class though so he could very well be not in the top five and be amazing um so yeah that was just my perspective i honestly thought that he would fall past 20 but you know they they drafted based on on that that specific need which i do agree with you does address that and their offense should be better because they get take back yeah, and I addressed this in my instant reactions with Will after round one. The Giants, signing Kenny Galladay doesn't like f- immediately fix their wide receiver depth. Like right. He played in five games last season because of injury. Sterling Shepard has yet to play 15, even 14 games. I don't think even that. He's battled injuries his whole career. Evan Ingram causes, has caused a majority of Daniel Jones' interceptions last season. Darius mm-hmm. Slayton took a step back. Kyle Rudolph is getting up there in age, and John Ross has yet to have a productive season. Now, I get that he was on Cincinnati, but still, like, you want to see something. So, wide receiver depth is paramount. Um, I get what you're saying, and look, Gabe, I've been frustrated as a Giants fan for more years than than not. So, I I get it, and I get seeing positions of need fail, but Dave Gettleman has drafted a lot of offensive linemen. In his tenure, he drafted three in in twenty twenty, and uh, including with the fourth pick. Yeah, you're right. So, I, I, I that may be a homer pick, but I I really like what the Giants did as a fan. Yeah. All right, Gabe. Um, one last winner, and we'll get to the losers. What I do you feel got? like we have to we we have to mention the Browns. Oh and yeah, you and absolutely. I, yeah, you and I you and I both agree on this. 
Uh, I'll, I'll talk about uh, their first two picks, and then I'll, I'll briefly mention their third. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Newsome, uh, the Packers did a lot of homework on him, and they were really interested in him. So uh, I did a little research myself, and I liked what I saw. And the fact that they plucked him from Green Bay's hands just shows that, you know, he's a good player. And the Browns' defense is already, like, pretty solid. They've got some ballers. And then you go and add with your first two picks, Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Steel. That's, yeah, that's injection of talent just straight into the team. And, yeah, that's such a steal. I, I was so surprised that he fell. I thought he could go to the Packers. I thought he could go to the uh, – I really thought he'd go to Washington. I know that was Ooh, probably – that was would probably oh, that would have been fun. Chase Young and JOK. Yeah. And that front seven. That would be yeah. fun. Uh, but maybe that was just the media controlling that narrative. That ah, maybe. Ah, maybe. People don't like his size, but he more than makes up for it with uh, oomph. Dude, yeah, dude, that. he hits hard. Yeah. Um, and then they go with Anthony Schwartz, who obviously this is a really deep wide receiver class. And I don't really know too much about him, but he's a runner. He's that. a track star. No, he literally he runs a four two forty. Like oh, it's wow. it's yeah, he's really really fast. He's a laser. So that's that's a good pick for them. Yeah, the Browns just got an infusion of talent. I'm I'm proud proud of them. And oh man, they're going to be competitive. Really it, competitive. I feel like it should be more abstract to our brains seeing the Browns like do some successful things. Like I feel like it should that should be crazier, but they're a good they're a good franchise now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like that like uh just all right. Let me analyze their draft picks just real quick, and then we can get to the losers. Um, they needed a cornerback too, opposite of Denzel Ward. They got one. Greg Newsom was fantastic for Northwestern, and then they needed someone over the middle to help out with the linebacking corps, and they got one with JOK, who can also play a little bit of safety if you want. I think he's, I think he's a truer linebacker. Than a safety, but now you got now you got like ballers on all three levels of defense. And Anthony Schwartz, I think he can certainly lend a hand in the kicking game because I've started to devalue. I started to devalue just straight line speed in the draft. I think we've talked about this before, but like you got to make guys miss first in order to show off your straight line speed. You know, so that was that. And then later in the draft, I'm looking at their picks. James Hudson. Out of Cincinnati, Michigan transfer, had a great year for Cincinnati. Obviously, offensive line depth, paramount. Tony Fields, another playmaker over the middle. And then Demetric Felton, a running back who converted from wide receiver at UCLA. He's versatile. He's got a little receiver in him. And as I just said, versatility wins. It can get you a lot of playing time. Um, I do want to mention one more winner before we get to the losers. Um, the Miami Dolphins. Great job. Great job. Great job. Uh, they got the two Jalen's at the beginning. You know what? I already talked about this in the, in the day one reactions, but um, Jalen Waddle I think fits like a glove into that offense. Jalen Phillips gives them a playmaker off the edge, um, and then Javon Holland I think he's going to be starting for them for a very long time. He's a playmaker at the safety position. Then Lee Meikenberg I think can be a Pro Bowler, even an All Pro. Those Notre Dame offensive linemen have proven to be. Very, very good, and I think he's one of them. And then you get once again, and then you get a uh, another weapon for Tua and Hunter Long out of Boston College. So, uh, great job, Miami, nailed it. <sighs> okay, let's get to some losers. Um, Gabe, go first. Who's your first loser? This is a fun one because I already mentioned him, and I said we'd circle back, and here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Gutekunst ah. is the Packers general manager. And let me preface this by saying that uh, obviously you and I are both very, very biased and we are uh, too often overcome by our bias in favor of our teams that maybe we, we fail to see the truth, which is to me, I think that the Packers had a pretty good draft. Not great. Again, good. They had, great. I agree. They had pretty good. Yeah. The one I liked the most was uh, Amari Rogers. Yeah, I really yeah. like him. Yeah, I'll uh, give you my thoughts on that. And just but keep uh, keep keep going about yeah, the, uh, yeah. Mr. Gutekunst. So I think yeah, I think the Giants and the Packers were uh, like similar in terms of the quality of the draft. But that's my take. 
Um, Brian, who we're going to call him Brian because Brian. I feel like him and I are on first name basis. Um, <laughs> you know, he's actually a really good drafter. His first ever pick was Jair Alexander. Oh, nice. Um, he so he's done pretty well, and he picked MVS his first year. Equinemius St. Brown, who he struggled staying healthy. Hunter Bradley was even in that first draft class. He's a like the greatest long snapper in the league right now, which is so random. Yeah. So he's he's a good drafter, and I think he he showed that draft prowess uh, this this weekend. Um, my yeah, my favorites were Eric Stokes, who I think. I think he's plug and play on special teams. Yep. Because uh, he's he's he hits hard and he runs fast, and that's yep. what they need on special teams. He can even return some kicks. Like he was really good returning uh, uh, interceptions for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I noticed. Um, I like I like the offensive line help. Um, and I really like Amari Rogers, but he's a loser because no matter how good he drafts, no matter how well he drafts he's going to be hated on because he does not know how to maximize the talent on the Packers team. They are probably the most talented team during his tenure to not make a Super Bowl. Because, look, they've got a really interesting defense. They've got Zadarius Smith. They've got Preston Smith, who's obviously inconsistent, but they have Rashawn Gary. They have Kenny Clark. They have you know, pretty mediocre linebackers. We don't have to talk about that. They have Darnell Savage. They have, oh God, what's their other safety's name? Help me out here. Uh, Amos, Adrian Amos. Oh yeah. He's really good. They have Jair Alexander. They don't really have a second corner, but Kevin King was really good outside of the NFC championship game. Yeah. I think that was, again, that was overblown, but well, I mean, obviously it was a shitty NFC championship game on national television, but again, overblown. He's still a pretty good corner. He had like his worst career game in Mm -hmm. the worst possible on the worst possible moments. They have an underrated defense and that offense, man, they've got their big three. Their offensive line is amazing and it's going to start falling apart because players are going to leave and Bakhtiari's injured. Yeah. Um, But they've got, Elgin Jenkins, they've got just like great players who always leave and get big contracts like Corey Lindsley. Um, hey, they drafted and, one of my five underrated prospects, Royce Newman. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, good for you. Okay. Yeah, so I know. It's good, it good to see. Um, it's, but, well, and then they have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Obviously, the wide receiver, too, is like that's, that's eternal. It, that's been an eternal, eternal need. I feel yeah. Like. And, and they have. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, or they had. Hey, and uh, AJ wow. Dillon. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm just talking about like their core players. AJ Dillon's really more of an investment. Damn, like, that's he, tough. He, he one... spent a second round pick on AJ. Dillon. No, he had he had one really really good game last year, and then just couldn't stay healthy. Oh yeah, like, that's, that's facts, but like facts. he's he's an investment. I'm talking about the team that he's he's had the past few years mm-hmm. that he just hasn't been able to get that extra step. Obviously, some of it goes into coaching. Matt LaFleur is in his first head coaching gig, um, which he's done tremendously as. Um, but ugh, some of that blame has to go in their their front office. And the Packers have a disastrous front office structure because they don't have an owner. They're, uh, like, crowd-owned. Um, like, I'm pretty sure my grandpa was a minority stakeholder in the Packers. Um, Whoa, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like a, I, I guess, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they have like Mark Murphy, Murphy, who's like the spokesperson. He's the CEO and president, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but Goot's got to go. And now that Aaron Rodgers is at least like somewhat outspoken to other. Oh, people, re- really? Really? He's he's a little outspoken now. Well, just a, he's, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, he now that he's outspoken about like he's not returning unless Goot is out. Brian is out man like he's gonna be a big loser because he's a good drafter like I said he's he's hit some homers he just can't build a team for his life and I think he needs to go back to being like the head of scouting for teams I know that's like a really big downgrade for him yeah or like just like director of football operations I guess that's more team building than scouting but Mm -hmm. he's got talent he just isn't this isn't the role for him and I think he was thrust into it by Ted Thompson's departure. Obviously, Ted 
needed to leave and because uh, because of his health which obviously i respect but i think this this was the mistake and i think it's it's time to to give him a reckoning that was a rant you can go now because i need to no i i had i had a rant beforehand so i I, you deserved one there it's okay i get it um yeah i mean nothing really to add we've gone over that the packers kind of had a there was just kind of this cloud hanging over them for the past three days it kind of sucked but um I guess we'll just have to wait and see with this whole Aaron Rodgers thing because the worst situ- case scenario becomes a James Harden thing where it's just you, you, Aaron Rodgers just burns the boats and he, he, there's no going back. And like you, it, they're obliged to trade him at a certain point. That, that's like the worst case scenario, yeah. I guess. And then the best case scenario, those individual flights to California to convince him to stay go well. And uh, he comes back a little irked, but uh, him being pissed off makes him better because yep. that's who Aaron Rodgers is. So, or, and uh, then like yeah. somewhere, somewhere in the middle would be Goot getting. Oh the yeah, boot. and then Goot getting. The, oh, that was Goot getting the Goot boot. Getting the boot. Oh man, nice. That was ad lib too. I didn't. I didn't think. Uh, that was off the dome. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. I think we've exhausted the Packers. Um, let's get to my. My, I don't want to say big loser, but a loser, the Denver Broncos. And not because I thought their draft was bad. I liked, I actually liked a lot of their picks. Uh, I liked, I liked Pat Sertain. I think he was the best corner in this draft. And he is going to make the, that Broncos secondary now is like, they are really, really good. So you got him, you added Darby and Fuller in the offseason. And you franchise tag Justin Simmons. Like, that's a really good secondary. And then they trade up for Javante Williams, which I thought was interesting. But now I think they could run some cool two-back sets with him and Melvin Gordon. And then Quinn Miners, they needed some offensive line help, and they got it. I loved Quinn Miners. And then one other pick I really liked was Jamar Johnson, the safety out of Indiana. He's a playmaker. Why I think they're a loser, I think they're going to really regret on passing uh, on Justin Fields. I really do, because this roster is built to win like this year and next year. And Justin Fields, I think, had that win-now ability to, to do that. He's battle-tested. He's, he's shown up and shown out against good teams. He's had experience being the starter, being the guy, unlike Trey Lance, unlike Mac Jones. And... I just thought that would have been the perfect slam dunk pick for this Broncos team. An even better situation than Chicago. You got a great defense. You got a pretty solid supporting cast on offense in Denver. I just think that would have been the way better pick. And if Teddy Bridgewater or and slash Drew Locke, whoever starts, um, proves to be the fault in the Broncos' uh, playoff run stars, I guess, then I think they're going to really regret on passing on the field. So that's why they're – my loser is it that's not an indictment on their draft picks because i thought their drafting was pretty good um but uh yeah i think they're they're gonna regret passing on justin fields yeah it's like a critique of what they didn't do more than what they did which Mm -hmm. i i'd respect that um one thing i'll say real quick is that um i love the unc uh, football pipeline. Oh yeah, you and Mister Mister now UNC. Yeah, Devontae Williams. Oh yeah, he's great. He's yeah. great. Um. Oh yeah, they've got a really good like young receiving core. So yeah, it would Judy, be nice to get Sutton's coming nice... back. Yeah, Tim Patrick and Noah Fant. That's 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 pretty solid. If you ask and me. Hamilton and uh, Hamler, KJ that. Hamler. How dare I forget KJ Hamler? And Deshaun Hamilton is he still on the team? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he, he played he's a solid player. Well, like yeah, a, that's 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 good. He's like a Packers wide receiver too. Um, yeah, that's a good equivalent, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah, they're really. I, I agree with you. Uh, I I know I'm being boring by agreeing with you, but I do. Hey, well, that that happens sometimes. Even though we're here to debate that agree agreements, while it is rare, it happens. Yeah. Uh, Gabe, g- give me give me another loser, and then I'll I'll finish it off with my last one. So you you started on it, and honestly, this kind of coincides with the media thing. But my loser was running the value of running backs. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was like an all time low in running backs selected in some pick range. 
It, they they uh, had a flurry at the end, like the very yeah. end of the draft. But early on after uh, the big three, I don't think the next one went until, I believe, Trey Sermon to the okay. Niners in like the third round. But yeah, there were very the running backs were not flurrying about in this early on in the draft. And maybe maybe you say that's okay. This wasn't a great running back class, which I, I don't I don't think it was. I think you I think uh, Javante Williams is like a uh, I don't know if he would have been the third best running back in any of the past like ten running back classes. I yeah. could be wrong on that. Um, but you just have like really weak running backs and then teams are still like, you're going to say that they overdrafted Najee Harris at 24, but I mean, that was a need for them. Yeah. That was like fine. I I just hate that. Like running back is such a cool position and like, it just sucks that people see them as like undervalued because they the me- are the media. Or, the media realized that the running back doesn't fix the run game, which I mean is true. But like, the media was like, just it was them devaluing running backs and making this realization. Like, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to make yeah. this one point. Like, sure. Najee Harris is an awesome running back, but he's not fixing the Steelers' run game alone. Like, you got to build the offensive line. Like Saquon Barkley, perfect example. Last season. Giants had a crappy offensive line, but Saquon Barkley, so felt we were in it. Literally every snap, there were two defensive linemen in the backfield. The second Saquon Barkley gets the ball. And he's the ultimate make something out of nothing guy. He is the Mr. Ultimate make lemonade out of like flour. I don't know. That was a weird analogy. But he, he would constantly have these stat lines of like eight carries for, for three yards. Because he would just get swallowed up in the backfield. And the Steelers did do a good job of getting linemen later on in the draft. They got Dan Moore. They got Kendrick Green. Um, I don't know if they got another one. But they did do a good job of addressing that. But, like, yeah, the running back, I think if this was really any other year, um, I think Harris would have gone earlier because he is an exciting back. He's a bruiser but a home run threat at the same time. Like, that's a very rare combo. Um, but yeah, I do. I do agree with you in that the running backs have certainly been devalued, especially with. I think we've seen in recent years. It's it's such a replaceable position. Yeah, I mean we we say that, and I get, I get why. It's just there's so many good running backs in the league, and that's what gets people saying, "Oh, they're they must be replaceable because there are so many, and some of them were found in." in late uh, draft rounds like Alvin Kamara and I guess Derrick Henry, like he could have been, he was like one of the most talented players in that draft, but he went in the second round. Um, I I just don't get why you would pass up on a running back in the draft when like, just because you think it's replaceable. Like I, I just think it's a mistake. I think that running backs should, have higher value because they're they're important parts of the team. Obviously, you need an O-line and you're not going to have a good run game without a good O-line. But at the same time, you need someone who's going to take you to the extra step and I know I know I'm going to come back to like another um admission uh-huh. of kind of like like the other side's argument. I know that some of the past few Super Bowl teams uh, the Super Bowl winning teams didn't have their high paid running backs, but you can't just take data and, and like stuff like that to be law. Uh, it's like, be the exception, not the norm. Is that the, is that the saying, like, why not have a Super Bowl team with an awesome running back? Um, and I also saw this, we're going to get to the Packers again. People were like, Oh, you overpaid Aaron Jones. I'm like, this guy was an integral part of our offense and our culture. And you're going to tell me that we overpaid when we got him at a discount price for four more years. Like I'm, I'm sorry, but I disagree with those takes. And if it were, you know, Jamal Williams getting that money, I still would be like, he's a really important part of the Packers team. And I, I think that running backs deserve 
recognition as important players in football. Oh yeah, certainly. But like what I'm saying, not it's not that they're replaceable. That there are so many good ones. That it's that they're replaceable. Like when they go out, like the team, mo- most of the time. Obviously, like maybe not in the Packers case, but even in like the Giants case, when Barkley tore his ACL and Gallman came in, like the Giants' offense was like not like deeply affected. Like, Wayne Gallman was, like, a great fill-in. Same thing with the Panthers when McCaffrey went out. Obviously, they're losing his, like, that, that flash. But, like, Mike Davis was really good for them as a backup back. So, I do agree with you in that there are certain running backs that are integral parts of offense. But then again, an offensive line, a great offensive line, can make a 77 overall running back look like a 92 overall running back. Yeah, so, like Hines. Exa- yeah, exactly. Like Naheem Hines. So it's like if you give a running back space to run, like unless they're like stupid, like they're they're gonna just see the hole and run through it, and that's like eleven yards. So yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. running backs have been devalued. Um, yeah, I don't really have any other follow. All right, I'm gonna get to my last last, last loser, and that was memeable picks. This was like the most competent draft like I've ever witnessed. Like there weren't any picks where I was like, what the hell is this team doing? Like, are they stupid? Like, do I dare say, even though I thought the Raiders first round pick of Alex Leatherwood was weird and I would have taken a few more offensive tackles over him. Like they needed offensive linemen. They, they stupidly sold the right half of it when they needed everything on defense to start free agency. And even though it seems like the Raiders only watch the college football playoff to, to get the people to draft, um, Alex Leatherwood's still a really good offensive tackle. And yeah, just a lot of teams made like really, really good picks that like are going to help them. Like Rashawn Slater to the Chargers. That's a perfect pick. Like Panay Sewell to the Lions. In that culture, that kneecap-biting culture, that's a perfect pick. Like, there were so many picks where it was just competent. It was good. It wasn't stupid. There weren't any, like, laughable picks like I feel like there have been in the past. So, uh, I, I guess that's a, that's, a, that's, that's a win and a loss at the same time. There's nothing to laugh at, but, like, competence. It's good. Thumbs up for me. Yeah, I, I – oh, Continue. Uh, no, I was gonna like I was gonna close it out, but go ahead. Yeah, I no, I totally agree with you um, in general, but I I think there were a few that were just like, oh, you had the opportunity to do this and you went the other direction. Yeah, like uh, Carolina like Jamar- and Denver, for example. Yeah, and Jamar Chase going to the Bengals. Like, that, that too. That too. Yeah, but those those are all like. They're still getting good players at the end of the day. Exactly. Uh, so you can't really harp on them for that. Exactly. Um, some honorable mention winners before we close it out. I had normalcy as a winner. We talked to the, about it at the very beginning. Draft felt normal. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Um, the broadcast, the ESPN broadcast, another honorable mention. Their analysis, that's like kind of what I want the NBA to do. Like I want the lottery to just be one night. And just let the NBA draft analysts just, like, totally nerd out. Because <laughs> last year for the draft, they were just like, oh, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton's going to help the Kings. He's a good point guard. Like, they were scratching the surface of the analysis. But, like, after every pick in this NFL draft, like, Todd McShay and, and Mel Kuyper and uh, Lewis Riddick, they had full-on in-depth, like, scouting reports about all these players. You, like, get to know who the player your team just drafted like, you get to know them as a player because the analysis is great. And Mike Greenberg was great, too, as a host. I loved him. So that, that's, a, that's an honorable mention for me. And then um, the Cleveland Browns macho man. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, they know how they had the people come on stage and sit in the chair, like the yeah. fans, yeah. for the first couple of rounds. Yeah, there was a guy, there was a Browns fan that was dressed up as macho man. And uh, the camera people couldn't get enough of him. He was just, like, dancing around the stage. Uh, in his macho Randy Macho Man Savage costume, uh, his WWE belt and stuff. It was great. It was great TV. I enjoyed it. That was his one shining moment. Um, so, yeah. And um, with that, I think we're going to close it out. That was a great draft. I enjoyed watching it. That months of prep 
that months of all that speculation, smoke screens, and media control, it's fun to finally see like stuff actually happen, and then we can talk about it. And that is exactly what we have just done for 60 minutes. So uh, let's go, Gabe. I'm proud of us. Good job. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it for us. So uh, make sure to check out the blackandwhite.net. Make sure to check out the rutabaga.net. Uh, everybody, go get your vaccine. I'm getting my second shot on Monday. I'm very excited. Um, keep wearing your mask outdoors in public, though. Uh, we're, not, we're not completely out of this pandemic yet. Everybody, keep washing your hands, maintaining your social distance. Stay safe. Gabe, thanks for coming on, bud. I appreciate it. Thanks, Quentin. All right, take care. Thank <laughs> you.